0: Our mobile app uh, through your handheld device can take us wherever you may be by searching Big Talker 1067 FM in the Apple iStore for your iPhone and the Google Play Store for your Android. Pete Callender with us, the Mountain Man. Pete, it's a pleasure, my friend. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm well. And uh, thankfully, uh, you know, had some side gigs and side hustles that I'm enjoying while it lasts because of legislation in Washington that may soon you know change uh, those sorts of things uh, but nonetheless enjoying that so I could put food on my table, though, apparently last night from what we heard from the president of the United States, so all well, the government will be happy to put food on our table so long as we're good citizens and take what they give us.
1: Yeah, the era of big government is back, and apparently government is us. I've been this is one of those uh, this is one of those cliches that I started noticing cropping up in debates with folks on the left. Uh, it, it, I guess it's an attempt to try to make me feel responsible for the policies I oppose. Uh, I, I view it as a form of sort of gaslighting. Uh, and in watching the uh, the state, well, not State of the Union, the address to the joint session of Congress, right? Don't call it a State of the Union. Um, it is, I am struck, as I often am, by Democrat demands for unity that are always, at their core, demands for surrender, uh, they, they use these two demands like they coat they coat one with the other. Um, I, I'm I'm perplexed. You have a Senate that's 50 50 split. You've got a one vote majority, and Biden is up there last night talking as if he's got some sort of uh, overwhelming majoritarian mandate, and it just that did not happen. But again, when you call for unity as a Democrat, it means everybody agree with me.
0: And uh, you know, on that note, uh, how could you argue against investing in American families? Uh, I mean, uh, this is what we're doing, right? We are investing in the infrastructure of American families. How could anyone in their right mind
1: be opposed to something like that? Right. Um, well, it it really is a <laughs> remarkable uh, turn of logic to take tens of thousands of dollars from an individual and then give them some money back in the form of a you know one thousand fifteen hundred two thousand dollars and have them believe that they're actually coming out ahead on that um, I also found it pretty interesting how uh, this president is you know lamenting the the two trillion dollar deficit spending that was in place and the cost of the tax um, uh, tax cuts that Republicans did in two thousand and seventeen. And yet he's proposing six trillion dollars in spending that's proposed, but also uh, passed by now. Uh, It's again, it's it is a form of gaslighting. They are running. And I I think we talked about this before, after the right after the election, we talked about this was my fear is that they recognize they're on a clock. And that clock is uh, the buzzer is coming up in the midterms. And historically speaking, The party that controls the White House loses seats in the first midterm election. That's the uh, just generally speaking, that always happens. And uh, I think they realize that their vote majority in the House, I think, is what, six votes or something. So it's so close I think they know they're going to lose seats, especially now with the census reapportionment and all of that. Uh, and so they're going to run as far left as quickly as possible to get as many things crammed down the American population's throat. Again, they're governing as if they didn't squeak by with these majorities in the chambers. Now, I understand you know, Joe Biden won the presidency, although there are a lot of Trump supporters that disagree with me on that, but you know, Joe Biden won the race, and so uh, I recognize that you know he has that political capital, but he's governing as if he has a mandate of this supermajority, which he does not have. It the the country is as closely divided as is represented in the legislative body. It, it's as closely divided as it's ever been in my lifetime. And so, why are they governing as if they've got more of a mandate than they do? Because it, it is because they realize, come you know. Twenty twenty two. They're not going to be in power. They're not going to have the ability to pass these things. And so they're going to blow up as much as they can to institute and usher in their big government socialist utopia uh, and get the framework in place. So this way, um, people find it much harder to dismantle, because once you give people free stuff, quote unquote, free stuff, uh, it's a lot harder to take it away from them.
0: On a time when uh, critical thinking is counterculture, integration is racism, up is down, left is right. I guess what you <laughs> describe there is what we call unity. Yeah, I mean uh, yeah. that's uh, where we're at uh, at this point. Pete, well, uh, here in North Carolina, we've had uh, you know obviously uh, an issue that has uh, garnered some national attention up uh, in Elizabeth City in regards to this uh, shooting of uh, Andrew Brown. Uh, prosecutor uh, we heard yesterday or from the district attorney, you know, they say the deputies uh, were, uh, you know, in fear of their lives, obviously, uh, that uh, Andrew Brown was driving at his, those police officers with his car before they opened fire. His family saw a 20-second video of the uh, body camera footage. Uh, they're claiming he had his hands on the steering wheel and police shot him. I mean, the truth will ultimately come out. But at the, the, the forefront here is this debate surrounding body camera footage and the release Of that footage to the public, to the media, to the families. Can you, and I know you covered it during your podcast at the com. it's a daily podcast covering all sorts of issues from the western part of North Carolina. Can you just give us the down low on the 2016 law that was passed in North Carolina in regards to this specific issue?
1: Sure, yeah. So the prior to 2016 the state did not have any kind of uniform uh, law on how to treat Body cam footage, and uh, after you know Ferguson, there was all this uh, push for cops to wear body cameras, and. I support that. I think most people support that. Cops support it, right? Because it it helps defend them, protect them from, uh, you know, fake uh, complaints and such. So uh, everybody wants the body cam. So the question is, what do you do with the footage that is collected? Because there's a lot of footage that gets collected. Think about like a large police department like Charlotte Mecklenburg. You know, it's going to have, what, hundreds of hours of footage collected every single day. What do you do with it? How do you access it? So different departments were handling it differently, and some would say, "Hey, this is a personnel record. This is video that's shot, you know, by the uh, the employee, the officer." And so, no, it's we're not going to give you any access to it at all. Now, some other departments, you could FOIA request it, you could get it, and uh, there wasn't any problem with it. So they tried to create a uniform uh, treatment of the of the body cam footage. And they tried to balance, the General Assembly tried to balance access with privacy. Because you can imagine, most people who deal with law enforcement that gets captured on the video, probably not the best day of their life. Right, and who's you know who's to say and what's to stop somebody from uh you know you're in a dispute with your neighbor and uh you see that you know he's out in the backyard and he's drinking and you can call the cops on him and the cops show up get the video uh and then or or they shoot video of the interaction and even if it's you know benign even if it's not really uh, uneventful you could take that video and use it somehow right this is the problem when when you're trying to balance. Who gets access? How do they get access? So what the State Journal Assembly did was they said, okay, we're going to go ahead and make it uh, uh, by default private. Or it, so it's not a public record per se, but it's, it's privately held. The law enforcement has the controlling agent. Uh, they have it. And if you want it and you're a family member or a lawyer representing a family member of somebody in the tape, or you are in the tape too, you can ask the law enforcement agency to see it, not to get a copy of it, but you can see it. And they've got three days to do that, and that is free for you. Now, if there's another party that wants access, they have to go to a judge and ask for the access. And that's what we had happen here because the family got to see some video, but the media wanted to see this this video, which I, I feel the need to point this out. The media is not, is not um, a, a, an uninterested party here. They have self-interest, right? Media outlets want the videos because it makes their stories look better on TV. These are essentially snuff films that they're getting and they're putting on their websites, right? So there is a self-interest because it gets them clicks. And then they're going to say, well, no, we're just in it for the, you know, public accountability and we want transparency Equity. and all that. But there is this other element to it, okay? They they do derive benefit from getting the videos and posting them on their websites. Um, and you can imagine, just like with all the mugshot shot websites that are out there, you can imagine how, uh, complete, you know, open access to every single video might be problematic. Right. Uh, and so that's where we are. So the judge said, you know what? I looked at the video, the lawyer, the DA says, uh, we don't want to jeopardize the case, which by the way, could in fact happen. And so I don't know what's on the tape, but a lot of people apparently believe they know what's on the tapes because they seem to believe that they should be released having not seen them. The judge has seen them the judge says no we're going to give sbi time to investigate 30 days then we'll release them
0: and that's kind of where we hit the snag right now right uh, uh, among uh you know the way in which we view things as the general public uh, there needs to be a balance uh, between the public's right to information and the potential for a defendant to, to have a right to a fair trial. That's crazy talk. Media, you.
1: It's crazy yeah. talk, Joe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and I get it. So so and in a time as we said where you know uh, critical thinking is ca- counterculture up is down left is right, I mean when people are actually you know pushing a defund and abolish uh, the police, I mean why not just abolish the courts, the whole legal system and we'll go out to the town square and we'll settle it there if we decide uh, the mob. But wants to you know ruin somebody's life, right? I yeah, mean, mob <laughs> justice. It's that, not too far. It's not too far down the, the line if uh, you know this is the way we continue to go.
1: Right, it's mob justice, the Salem witchification of America. Um, and what it seems like in my discussions and debates with various people on social media uh, about this case, that the what it seems like they want access to the video so they can act as jury, but. Like, like you said, we have a system, right? There is a judicial system in place that is supposed to be the impartial arbiter of the facts. What is true and what is not, it is not supposed to be done on Twitter. And, uh, and look, I live on Twitter, so I get it. You want all the information. I appreciate that. But like, I have a rule. Like, I don't, I usually don't talk about any of these types of shootings, any of these cases until at least, you know, 48 hours have passed. So I know more information. But so many people, you know, they want this instant, uh analysis instant verdict they want quote justice right now and justice is whatever the mob says and no that's not the system that we have now you may not trust that system and that may be why you don't want the system to play out but let's be honest to what you're demanding now i also point out here that the law enforcement i think they kind of dropped the ball on this by not moving uh more quickly with the video release in the first place i think they kind of sped up by the end of last week But I think they would have been better served had they immediately started the wheels in motion to get the video to the family and then to go to the court themselves and say, release the video. But they did not Now, And again, I don't know what's on the video. And maybe that's why they haven't done it. Like, can we hold out the possibility that there might be something actually on the tape that is not. Uh, It's not part of some cover up. It's not trying to, you know, uh, protect all of the bad cops that there might actually be something on the video. Like, I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe a confidential informant, like a CI who was actually cited as, you know, the the guy that they used to help build the case against this. I mean, let's be honest, the guy, uh, Andrew Brown, he was a career criminal, right? He was slinging like hardcore narcotics for decades. So. Uh, They had a they had a CI. It was that person on site. Did they just do some sort of a deal? And they're trying to protect undercover agents. They're trying to protect the confidential informant. I don't know, but I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt Mm. at this stage to the court to make that decision because they won't release the video. So we'll see what happens in, you know, 30 days.
0: You're asking way too many questions here because we want it and we want it now. I mean, hell, we need accountability right now. Right. Speaking well, of the term accountability, that gets tossed around, by the way, a lot. Uh, and I get it. You know, when we talk about law enforcement officers sworn to protect, uphold the law, uh, you know, you want them to, to live by a, a standard that's maybe higher than the general public. Yeah. Whatever happened to accountability within the general public? Uh, do we ever, you <laughs> know, turn the tide around and say, hey, you know, and, and you know, does this guy deserve to die? I, I'm not going to go down that uh, you know, rabbit hole. But uh, you, know, you don't have to. But that's the said. beauty.
1: Yeah, you don't have to. We don't have to. I don't have to have an opinion about whether or not that was a good shoot or a bad shoot for the cops, right? I don't have to. We don't have to say that right now. That's the beauty of having a judicial system. We can let that system help us decide. We don't have to race out and say, I know what happened and it is X or Y. That's the reason why you go through the process. And by the way, the same people who are accusing the judge, the DA, the police department of all being racist because they're not releasing the video will be the same people saying that. Racism is the reason why a mistrial gets declared because the video gets leaked out early, right? Like you're trying to protect the process, so a trial doesn't have to be redone like we may see up in Minneapolis with the Derek Chauvin conviction.
0: And uh, in all honesty, you know, understanding how much uh, the George Floyd situation uh, you know played out across the country for myself, in watching bits and pieces of that trial, I came to a conclusion based on the body camera footage that I watched in its entirety over two, three, four days in that trial uh, that led me to a point where if if I was on that jury, I would have probably convicted him of some of those charges as well because I had full access to the information and uh, I wasn't really listening to the rhetoric about the nine minutes, 29 seconds and all the other stuff that went on for the past year held off, waited, watched and uh, although came to a very similar conclusion that the jury did uh, up there in Minneapolis. So yeah. it, it's amazing how this all works,
1: Pete. As did I. Right, as did I. I. And like like when you're when you're weighing these things and I did not watch the entire duration of the trial, you've seen more of it than right. I did. I so I looked at and watched all of the closing arguments, like what is the case? Show me what your evidence is, bring it all together and I'm not on the jury so I don't need to examine all the evidence, but they did. And I heard the summations and I wasn't really impressed with the defense's arguments and the prosecution, I thought, had a stronger case. Uh, and so did the jury. Pete Callender with us, the Pete Callender Show. You can find him online.
0: He hosts a daily podcast out of the western part of the state here in North Carolina. We connect the mountains to the coast a couple times each month with Pete does a great job and enjoy his podcasts that he puts out on a daily basis in covering you know this timely topic uh, surrounding this uh, body camera footage and law that is different than other states yeah other states have moved forward with legislation that immediately calls for the release of body camera footage within 48 72 hours whatever that may be that's where our governor uh, it wants us to go as he voiced his support for changing the law surrounding the availability of law enforcement video. I got to ask you, Pete, 16 years as uh, attorney general for the Department <laughs> of Justice here in North Carolina, yeah. was a Democrat lawmaker with heavy majorities in our state general assembly. Why
1: now is he the champion for these sorts of things? Political uh, Political expediency? Uh, just spitballing, but uh, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. the The question is obvious to all but the blind, I guess. That the guy was 16 years old, or 16 years as the attorney general, and now he's talking about institutional and systemic racism in the Department of Justice. So, like, were you part of the the racism then, Governor? Right. <laughs> I, I I'm I, I'm unclear as to what exactly you're saying, or maybe Josh Stein is in charge now, and he's in charge of all the institutionalized racism. And look, I understand like there are discrete specific arguments to be made, like for example, the difference in sentencing for crack cocaine versus powder cocaine. Like th- those are real uh, debates to to be had, right? And and and. I totally agree with like sentencing reform um, and uh, you got death penalty issues. I totally understand that and, and that's fine but when you start arguing that the institution is systemically racist this and, and you were the one in charge of that institution for 16 years <laughs> and uh, and used it as the you know as the uh, uh, the channel to get into the the governor's mansion, I do doubt some of your sincerity about this. I also would note that the original legislation on the body cam uh, uh, footage, it passed the state Senate 48 to 2. Um, it had Democrats support originally, and now Democrats want to change it. Um, and they're pushing for and they, they want to basically uh, invert uh, the onus to put it on the uh, on the law enforcement uh, to go to court to keep it secret versus putting uh, leaving it as it is where the onus is on the public to go and try to get it from a court. So in other words, it would just kind of flip that process and it would have to, by default, make all of the videos available upon request within 48 hours. So that's their bill. I don't know if Republicans are interested in, in tweaking what they've got, but I would point out that if the Democratic bill were law, the exact same outcome would have uh, would have occurred. There'd be no difference in the outcome. Right. Because the law enforcement, the D.A. in this case, would have said, no, we're not going to release this video. It would have gone to court and it would have convinced the judge, don't let the video be released. And the judge would have said 30 days. OK. So the same process would have unfolded. It just it flips the the burden on who you know comes to the court to ask for the relief. That's that's what the Democrat plan would do. Well, the media
0: of course they want to know the public wants to know and uh, ultimately the question is do they need to know right away and i think we answered that question they want to know. this morning yeah they want, to, <laughs> they know. want Just, to know i have a lot of i have a lot of wants too in my life uh, <laughs> Pete, but i often you know stick to the needs the needs typically overshadow uh, the wants in my life it's amazing how that kind As of they should. works but i guess if we just uh, take what, uh, you know, our president is giving us, uh, you know, maybe, he, you know, I'll be able to get everything I want. And I won't you know, care about the needs that I have.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that's just always remember a government that is uh, big enough to give you everything that you want is strong enough to take it all away as well. That's uh, it's it's a lesson that I fear we are destined to relearn once again.
0: The Pete Callender Show, a daily podcast out of the mountains of North Carolina. You can find out more about what he does and why he does it at com. Pete, it's always a pleasure, my friend.
1: Thank you. Pleasure's mine, Joe. Thanks so much.
0: 27 minutes past the hour. Great to have Pete a part of the program, friend of the show.